Hello, hello, and welcome to today's show. Welcome back to Beyond Autistic Burnout. I'm your host, Carol Jean Whittington, and today we're diving deep into the world of organization. Ever wonder how ADHD and autistic brains naturally organize? Well, stay tuned because I'll be sharing some eye-opening insights from our spicy global research project. But that's not all. We have a fantastic guest today, Kanan Techendani, a renowned twice exceptional organizer who will guide us through the importance of organizing to prevent burnout and boost restoration. Plus, we'll discuss the challenges we face when it comes to organizing, how burnout impacts our ability to stay organized, and the emotional aspects tied to it, like shame and guilt. Oh boy. But wait, there's more. We have a special event to help you kickstart your organization journey. Stick around till the end to get all the exciting details. And we have a special guest on our XXO segment today to kick us off with Chief Connection Officer, Laurie Scheibel. It's a packed show you won't want to miss, so stay tuned. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by inspiring guests as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on your journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us live today. And if you're on the podcast, I'm so excited that you're listening and sharing time with us today. If y'all want to join us live and you are listening to the replay or catching us on podcast, we're live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So let's get the show rolling. If you are here joining us live, drop in the comments, say hello, let us know where you're joining from. We always love to see where in the world you are because we see that we have over 93 countries and people joining us from all over. Hey, Emma, see you in the chat box. Welcome over on YouTube. Fantastic. All right. So today is September 5th and it is Be Late for Something Day. I cracked up laughing when I saw this, guys, because um, be late for something day. Isn't that like every day for a lot of us? Trying to get places, throw in some time blindness and, you know, hey, be late for something day. Isn't just a national one day a week kind of thing. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I just had to get everybody a chuckle today. Oh, man. Hey, we got Gail Cummings joining us from Somerset. Gail's a good buddy of mine. Hey, Gail. Oh, Elizabeth from Sweden. We, Edna, you're in St. Louis. I didn't realize that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. To, oh, Edna said done on the be late for something thing. <laughs> 
tomorrow, though, so I had to to share a little something else on this one. So tomorrow on September the 6th, it is Fight Procrastination Day. So I don't know about you guys, but part of my modus operandi for uh, being an ADHD autistic human is I have these transition periods where I get stuck. And before I knew that I was autistic and ADHD, I actually was saying to myself, gosh, I'm the biggest procrastinator. I just can't seem to get myself moving. So I found this sort of amusing as well that tomorrow is fight procrastination day. Um, Well, we're going to be talking about some things that I feel like when it comes to organization, procrastination or getting stuck really is more some of the stuff that happens. And we've got some great great things to talk about as we're diving into this conversation today. Oh man, (laughs) fight procrastination day. Should we celebrate the day before? (laughs) Great comment. Oh my gosh. So, so funny. And hey, I'm so glad you're finally getting to join us live. That's awesome. Yay. Well, let's get moving on our XXO segment today. So I don't know if you guys are aware, but I've started doing a special segment in the talk show every week where we're diving in and seeing just a little bit something extra about what's happening over in XXO Connect. This is an amazing live connection, wired for connection platform. I host a room there every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and it is the neurodistinct room where we talk all things burnout, restoration, communication, relationships, you name it, we're talking about it from sleep to sex and everything in between. And I have got a special guest joining us. She is the chief connection officer at XXO. It is the fabulous and wonderful Laurie Scheibel. Laurie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here, my friend. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to be here. Always with you, Carol Jean. Oh, man. Laurie, I don't think we ever have an XX room team meeting or, you know, like on a Friday night when we're all getting together to do a, a nice, wonderful session with Jen Russman. Oh, my gosh. So as the Chief Connection Officer, tell everybody a little bit about what you do at XXO and what people can experience when they join us in XXO. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. So as the, um, what I do in my role at XXO, I really am working behind the scenes with owner Jason Labowitz, and we are really focused on um, really getting XXO out into the hands of people and the awareness so they know that this platform exists and we are building membership and we are doing it, of course, completely in the way through human connection. So we are doing it very organically. We are constantly talking to a lot of people, a lot of times through via LinkedIn um, and other resources to get connected. We also have an entire workforce group where we can actually bring on employee companies that works as an incredible well-being employee benefit for companies and organizations literally at a fraction of the price that they could pay for any kind of like EAP or other type of, um, you know, healthcare type program. Yeah. So the essence of XXO, it is a live streaming platform where we have coaches, therapists, relationships experts, and all sorts of community experts 
on board. And essentially, XXO is a social community. And it's really where personal growth, wellness, and healthy relationships all come together and meet. And in XXO, you get to really focus on all aspects of yourself. So we're talking like mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, physically, financially, sexually, literally in every way. Our intention is self first. When you learn to be self-led first and love self first, you become a natural leader and everything else comes into alignment in your life. So when you can become the best version of who you are, um, that is what makes you this whole human. And we do it through real live human connection. It is. Yes, we do. <laughs> cool, right. It is one of the coolest and most unique entities of like a personal development that's out there. I really don't know that there is actually another live personal development, human connection experience that exists out there today. So we are shouting from the rooftops, everything about getting word out about XXO. And it is, I mean, when we're in there, Carol Jean, it is like, there's a vibe, there's a vibe of just love and trust and connection. And I mean, we are really creating a community within not only all of us, but within every member we're really kind of becoming a big family. And it is such an amazing experience to have this vast wealth of personal development from all of these experts. And, you know, having daily live sessions and multiple sessions a day to choose from gives members endless opportunities to pop in whenever they need support, whenever they might feel lonely, whenever they want to create connection, Whenever they're struggling with something, there is always a room each and every day that they have access to. And a lot of these members are starting to become friends. They're getting together like outside the platform. In oh my gosh, yes. Isn't that great? And what I really love is our new app where we have those group chats where we can go in and communicate outside of the live connection room. And I think that is one of the most beautiful aspects of our XXO platform. Laurie, tell everybody a little bit about how they can join or go learn more today about XXO. Yeah, absolutely. It is so super simple. I'm Carol Jean. I think you actually have the link. So in your show notes, everybody can access the link here and literally just type into your, your Google search XXO Connect and it'll take you to our homepage and you can find the membership tab on there and you can sign up and it's super easy. You can do monthly. There's a three month kind of value membership, or you can sign up for a year at a time. There's lots of options for you. But I have to say, like, for the price, you can't beat. I mean, you can't go see a therapist one, one time. Yes. I mean, really, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's really like under $100 a month and goes much lower than that, depending on the type of membership you choose. That's that's one therapy, not even one therapy session an entire month. Yes, I love it. And I love that we share it with different workforce organizations to yeah. help better support because, you know, 
I'm always talking about the percentage and the degree of burnout right now. And yes. we're at the highest that we can have and yes. organizations are really strange. So thank you so much for joining us today. Laurie Scheibel, the Chief Connection Officer at XXO Connect. And we are wired for connection and we want you to come be connected with us. Thanks so much for joining us today, Laurie. Thank you. Bye. Well, let's dive in and get this show rolling, folks. Are you ready to start organizing? Are you ready to start unpacking some of that stuff you've been carrying around with you, not just out in your physical world, but maybe in your internal world? My guest today and I are going to be talking about that and so much more. But before we get going with Kanan, let's share, I'm going to share a little bit of data here. So 100% of ADHD autistics who responded to our Spicy Burnout Global Research Project, which I've been conducting since 2020, 100% of respondents said that piles or stacks are part of their organizational system. So guys, you're, those of you who are joining us live, pop in the chat box and let me know, do you have a pile or a stack as part of your organizational system? I certainly do. And I was so tickled to death to see this number come back in the data from this research because that's often the number one thing that we feel really crummy about, like the piles and stacks that we have everywhere. So let me know, is this part of your organizational structure too? Okay, so here's some images of mess space. And this is often what we see on social media. So here's my closet. It's so beautifully organized. All my clothes, I've got them, you know, short sleeve shirts together, my pants, my skirts. I've got all my baseball caps hanging on hooks on the back of the door. I've got beautiful hat boxes. I even have clear, and I'm going to share some of these tools and ideas with you too. Some of these clear acrylic shoe boxes, because, you know, object permanence, I got to be able to see stuff all of this stuff. Okay, so right here in this little tall container, I've got like my little, this is in my office under a, like a picnic table desk. I've got my yoga mat. I've got my little tier of things I organized when I was talking to my friend the other day and my little refrigerator. It looks so pretty. Doesn't it look pretty? Okay, well now I'm gonna get real with you. <laughs> this is what you don't see. <laughs> this is the top of that desk. It looks so pretty and organized underneath. This is the top of it. it it's got like Josh's boxes that we haven't unpacked since we moved. Things that I'm still trying to figure out where they're supposed to go. So it is a work in progress. And then this other picture to the left, that's the underneath of my bathroom cabinet with my makeup and my lip, lipstick and all that fun stuff. So, you know, often we see all these pictures online or we see these pretty images and these glossy, you know, photographs that says, oh my gosh, you know, doesn't this look wonderful? And then we look at our space and we feel horrible because it's so wildly different where you see people posting stuff. So Kevin and I are going to dive into sort of that shame and guilt feeling that we get around spaces and organization. So if you want to see more of the pictures and even get a tour, I've got a video of my closet along with some tips and some information around some products that I use that are free or right here, easy to access in your home. Check it out on Instagram at Mind Your Autistic Brain. So 
as we're moving into this conversation today, I was, I always do some research before a show and eight mental health benefits of an organized home from, I loved the name of this website, Dirt Busters House Cleaning. And they brought up eight different mental health benefits. The ability to focus better. Oh, heck yeah, guys. I don't know about y'all, but I need all the help and added focus that I can get. A reduction in stress and overwhelm. Ooh, we're talking about burnout or being a burnout. This is like, oh, oh, it's like that warm, comfy blanket that you just love. Number three is a lighter feeling. Now, before I did a big purge and really pared down what my husband lovingly calls my hoard, <laughs> I didn't know that organizing it and really curating my things would physically make me feel lighter, but it did. It can help you save money. I don't know about you guys, but you know, we talked about object permanence and uh, somebody commented here in the chat said object permanence is an ADHD thing, question mark. Yes, totally an ADHD thing and stacks and stacks of stuff. Oh my gosh, yes. So when we were talking about helping save money, for me, it's if I can't see something, you know, because it just, it's not, I put it in a safe place, right? <laughs> and my friend Callum did a post not, uh, not too long ago about, you know, putting stuff in the safe place and then you can't find it. Y'all, I can't tell you how many times I've found like a birthday present or a Christmas present like six months later. <laughs> I just, I knew the darn thing and I had put it in a safe place. So I'll run out and go buy something because I can't find it or it's not easily accessible. And of course I come home and then find the other three that I already bought. So really having an organized space and even curated in a way that works with your mind so that you've got like clear acrylic containers, things like that, saves us money because then we're not running out to buy it again. It can boost your physical health. There's a lot to be said around um, like the dust that can accumulate and if you have MCAS or you have other co-occurring co health conditions, there's some stuff that we've got to also talk about because this was something that came up for me when I was like cleaning and organizing. I had to be really careful because I triggered some massive flares twice for myself um, as we were getting ready for this big move in June. So that's something else you also got to take into account, guys. The other one, number six, was improved sleep. When you have a, a peaceful physical environment, it really does impact your sleep. I was so shocked how much of a difference it did make in my life. Number seven is it can be a good workout. Sure, it can be a good workout and you don't, it doesn't have to be big. And Kanan and I are gonna talk about how we can do like some little stuff. And number eight was more aesthetically pleasing. So when I read more about what they were talking about, I don't know that the header for this one was the best, but. Number eight is really talking about showcasing and being able to enjoy. And this is appreciative rest, guys. If you are part of the unveiling method and restoration, I talk about those seven types of rest other than sleep. And appreciative rest is when we can look at the things that we love and enjoy and we can really bask in them. And when our space is clean or organized and we're able to curate and display the things that we love, Oh my gosh, the energy that that brings in is massive. Oh my goodness, so massive. Uh, and 
I sent out this week um, an email to all of our spicy pepper VIPs and shared three different tips to help you start getting with started with organization. And then our amazing Amelia Lane, our blog writer for the Brains Up blog, took that information and wrote the best article yesterday. And she included some exercises in those three different areas for you to get started. So hop on over to the brain dump blog after this. You can go to mindyourautisticbrain.com and go check out those exercises and start trying them out for yourself. So let's get started with my amazing guest today. We have a remarkable guest joining us, someone who's dedicated to empowering twice exceptional individuals and families to find love, meaning and success in their lives. She's a true expert in her field, a trauma-informed holistic supporter, and a guiding light for those who walk a unique path. Kanan's insights and expertise will shine a light on how we can organize our lives, especially for those of us who are ADHD and autistic. Get ready for an enlightening conversation. Please give a warm welcome to my guest today, Kanan Techendani. Welcome to the show, Kaden. I'm so excited you're here, my friend. Hi, Carol. Thank you for having me. It's so cool to be here. We have got quite the lineup to talk about today with everybody. As we're kicking off this conversation, how would you say ADHD and autistic brains organize naturally? Because, you know, one of the big insights was that 100% of all of the ADHD autistic respondents in my global spicy research said they have piles or some stack in their organization. So where do we kind of go with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that um, because we need to see something to know, to remember that it's then that we have to deal with it. Um, so it's really common to see those piles and stacks. Um, I guess the problem becomes when we have so many piles and stacks that it becomes overwhelming and we don't feel good anymore about the system. So it's, it's normal, I think, and it's not something to be um, ashamed about at all, but it's maybe adding some other systems to help us manage it all a bit better and, and process those piles. And like just sort of the natural aspect of it is the experience for me is the whole object permanence thing. Like if I can't see it, I forget about it even stuff that I love and it's like I know I have it totally yeah so it's great if you have amazing things surrounding you that make you feel good but not so great when you have um essentially items lying around that you don't know where they live uh what you're meant to do with them uh it's just chaos it's like a reflection of chaos I guess right and it, that chaos outside then becomes internalized and that's not good for anyone, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You just hit on one of the biggest experiences, you know, that internal experience mm -hmm. of our environment, which can be that feeling of chaos and out of control. And, you know, I don't know if this happens has happened for you, Kanan. And guys out in the chat, let us know if this has, has occurred for you. I didn't realize how like I knew my environment impacted me because I've always been like really I can get really depressed if it's a messy environment or if it's it feels like it's not clean or the colors even really make a difference for me it, it impacts my emotional well-being 
do you, have you guys noticed that for yourself? Drop it in the chat and let Kanan and I know if that's come up for you by chance. Ah, right, we got a thumbs up here. We got a couple of thumbs up coming in. <laughs> so what are some of the benefits? Like I talked about that top eight list from, from the Dustbusters, which I just love the name of that site. Benefits of organization. Um, and especially as it comes to like burnout prevention, what are some of those big benefits that you see, especially for those of us who are autistic and ADHD, Kanan? So I guess the biggest benefit overall is conserving your energy instead of wasting on something that might not be actually important to you or meaningful to you. And right, energy is everything, right? And that's how we, if we can conserve it and not let it leak out um, without intention, that's life-changing, right? So, so what, would, what would you say, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. So Kanan, what would you say if when we talk about organization, where would you say like the biggest hole in our bucket, where the most energy is when you're working with clients and, and sort of helping and evaluating the environment to get started, where do you see most of that, that big energy impacts leaking out in our organization or, or environment, personal space? I think it's a lot of emotional impact that then all the energy that we put into feeling bad about ourselves and judging ourselves, that is ultimately a waste of good energy when actually we, there are a lot, you know, a certain way that we want to live our lives, um, a certain lifestyle we want to create, people that we want to dedicate our time and energy to. So if we, if we can't keep a stop on that, we're saying no to all those dreams that we have and we're giving our time and energy to objects. Now, I'm not saying objects aren't wonderful, they can be wonderful, but we have to be mindful of what we allow into our physical space. And it's that mindful part that is um, sometimes missing because I think the, the world we live in is encouraging us to consume more and more. And we get sold the, the dream of, you know, a little bit of happiness, a bit more dopamine every time we buy something. So we're fighting against, um, you know, a lot of... Um, Attacks on our attention um, and they're, they're fighting for so much energy and sometimes we're unaware of it so I used to work in retail so I used to be on the other side and that's why I you know I, I switched because I could see I didn't feel good that I was kind of ultimately pushing people to buy this dream that wasn't going to last forever and actually the aftermath was maybe a really full overstuffed wardrobe um, even lots of organizational items that had good intention, but then actually makes us feel bad again. So, yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times, you know, prior to sort of learning more about how to approach organization and structure with my neurotype, how many times I went out and would buy the organizational tools, right? Because Somehow I had this idea that if I had the tool, then I was actually going to use it and it was going to make a difference. That did not happen in my world, especially because I was already in burnout and I didn't like have the structure or the understanding. So then like it would just sit there and then it would just become part of the chaos in my space. And every time I looked at it, then I felt worse for not having done anything with it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, like a reminder. Right. And, you know, Gil, I love this. Gil and I are friends and she had a big move 
uh, before I did. And this was like something, you know, when you've lived in a house and you've had your whole life in that house, your kids and everything, and you move to another space. And it was, Gail said, it took me 10 months to finally get moved. Every time I went into my old house, I became completely overwhelmed and just wanted to cry. It took the help of friends who just packed me up and got things ready to go to get it done. Oh, I can so relate. That's a tough one. You know, it really is. And uh, body doubling for the win. Heck yes. Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you how many times and how often I body double with a buddy for things. So in that little three stack tower that you saw in the image underneath my desk over here, I had just a Zoom visit with my friend Gina. And I said, Gina, while we're talking and while we're visiting today, I am going to clean out and sort and organize these three drawers because I moved it packed full of stuff and I hadn't really taken everything out and looked at it. And it was just the most amazing experience. And it went by so fast because she and I were visiting while I was going and I would pull stuff up and it was just easier to sort through it because she was there with me. So here you go. There's a tip to get started already, guys. <laughs> That's always a good one, right? So, Kanan, what are some of the biggest challenges as you're starting to work with clients? And especially like, okay, I came to you. I'm like, Kanan, I know I got a mess. I know I'm a disorganized sort of cute little chaos in a, in a pretty handbag. But on the inside, it looks like it, something just exploded. What are some of the biggest challenges that most of us are facing when we start this process? Wow, there's so many. Um, so I guess the first thing is just, <laughs> just acknowledging that you might need help with it, you know, and that it's okay actually that you've got into this uh, position that you're not happy with, because it's actually really common. It's not unusual, it's really normal. And, and so that, that can help with overcoming the shame. The, most of us have an area or a very full house. Um, I am never surprised. So I want, I want to say, you know, firstly, normalize it. It's, and then it's okay to ask someone to help you um, because a lot of people don't want someone to come in and see that space, you know, the shame. So if you can help yourself regulate, acknowledge that yes, it's okay, but I do need to get started somewhere. And having someone with me can help me just face it and not kind of run away from it is great. <laughs> it really is. And that that part of just compassion and, and extending ourselves some grace. You know, because a lot of times um, one of the elements that that I experienced and I didn't realize it until I started to learn more about this aspect of how sometimes trauma can manifest in our life. And that can be through how we hold on to or have a, a chaotic environment. What are some insights or some, some things that you could share for maybe because you know, a lot of us in late identified life have some sort of trauma we've noticed uh, be it, you know, decades of little micro T traumas that have built up like lasagna that has slid on, slid onto the floor, made a big yeah. giant mess, right? Um, you know, to big T traumas and, and complex PTSD. For what sure. are some insights that you have around that, Kanan? 
So yes, a hundred percent. These little T traumas don't seem to get um, acknowledged. We kind of minimize that even just going through a day and having someone look at us a certain way when we do something a bit different, they're all traumatic for us. And so people by the you know by the time I've met them as a maybe like forty plus years old, they've had a lifetime of trauma, and not just that, there is trauma in terms of cultural trauma and generational trauma on top of all that okay and then adding to that as well relationship trauma within the home so all, yes. all these spaces that are meant to be our safe space suddenly become not so safe and yet they're also very familiar and therefore comfortable in a strange way so trying to let go of stuff becomes really tricky it, it's like a conflict because you're stuck in a certain position and that you know essentially I, I guess trauma for me is something stuck in your body a memory a feeling so it's again it's like a reflection of what's going on outside things are stuck and um sometimes that can be more about dealing with your emotions first and letting that out before you deal with the objects around you for some people it's you deal with the object and that allows you to release the trauma in your body and your in your emotions so i, I want to say you know there's such a complex link between it all that's why i find when i started out um my my idea was that you know we're going into firstly let go of stuff and then we organize and often a lot of the time we spent most of the time helping them to let go of stuff that was the hardest bit so doing that in a, a really gentle, safe way, that was the most important thing. It wasn't about rushing someone so they could get to that end goal that they wanted of things looking all tidy and organized. So making them realize, actually, this might be a really slow, gentle process, but that's the best way to make it last. Um, so again, that's being kind to yourself and not rushing yourself, not letting other people rush you. That's super important. Oh my goodness, yes. And you know, Kanan, when I, I started to, to look into this and <laughs> I, I was sort of thrown into the deep end of the pool, as they say, when it came to sort of letting go, because um, six years ago, when my partner Josh and I decided to move and we bought property in Colorado, and we were still living in Alabama, we had to move and we had to, I had 40 plus years of memories and belongings and things in a house. And because Josh and I were starting a new life together, I really wanted to start fresh. And there wasn't a whole lot of room because we were building a house. So I went from, you know, a three bedroom, two and a half bath house with 40 years worth of things and memories and objects and not just my stuff, but the kids stuff and, you know, the stuff of everybody in my life that I had collected things from and went all the way down to like a six foot by 12 foot U-Haul trailer. Now, guys, let me just tell you, that is a lot of letting go. And it took about eight months. But what I found in the process was that for me, in the very beginning, it went very, very slowly. Everything that I saw, I wanted to think about it. 
I had to like process do what does this mean? And when it comes to like that trauma aspect of it, you know, for so many of us, I'm a very visual person and I'm also a very deep feeler and I can immediately think of an, of a time in my life and I'm present in that moment. I can smell it, see it, hear it, experience it. Like I'm there watching it in my head and my body physically responds to that. And when we are going through, and when I was going through a lot of my belongings that brought up a lot of some tough stuff that I've experienced in my life, because the objects or the things that were in my space were really bringing that back. How, I, and I know this is part of what you do. I mean, oh my gosh, I, I did that alone. And it took so much longer. It took like eight months for me to do this. And I mean, if I had known about you and had any inkling, I would have said, oh my gosh, Kanan, I need you. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, all these objects, they're like triggers. They trigger memories. And the memories trigger the emotions. It's like you're reliving everything all over again. And so it's it's easy to go into that kind of uh, flight mode where you, you, this is really common, right? You pick something up and you just can't decide. So you just put it back or you shuffle things around because you just can't decide that indecision, that uh, inability to commit and actually let go because there's there's some comfort in knowing that happened and keeping it there even though actually it might be holding you back from experiencing better emotions. It's really hard to let go, isn't it? And it's like a muscle as well. You know how you described at the beginning? It's so slow, but it's a decision-making muscle. So as you start asking yourself the questions and answering them and processing it, you get a bit clearer on what's important to you and what no longer serves you. And then you start speeding up. The, and this is really common to the point where people are like throwing stuff out. <laughs> they they know, they know their muscle is built up. Oh, totally. By the end of it, I was like, yep, nope, throw away, uh-uh, donate, you know. I was super fast. And it was interesting because when you and I were planning for this episode and got together a few weeks ago, you had the most genius tip. And I want you to share it. You were telling me that one of the things that you have people do is if they're not sure, if they can't make a clear decision about an object, to pack it up into something they can't see. So share with everybody sort of the tactic for how to do this. Yeah, so the, the principle is when it's out of sight, you start losing that attachment connection to that, that object. So if you pack it up in a bag that you can't see through and then you put a date, a sticker on that bag with a date, for example, it could be three months from today, it could be a year from today. But basically, if you haven't actually missed it or needed to use it, then the chances are you don't actually need it anymore and you can let it go. And don't open the bag because the minute you open the bag again, you get all emotional. <laughs> <laughs> don't open the bag, guys. Don't open the bag. If the date comes and you haven't opened it or needed anything out of it, don't open it. Actually, maybe staple it shut so it's harder for you to open. <laughs> yeah, tight, tight, really tight. And, I, you know, this is, um, I particularly see this with kids' stuff. So if we've boxed up kids' stuff and then you maybe it's on the way out near the door, if they go rummaging in there, you're in trouble because they'll they'll just get all those yummy emotions again and go, oh, I missed that. And, and then things start coming out. So that's why it's important to kind of contain it 
and start that separation in a in a gentle way. So you haven't got rid of it straight away. It's not like ripping a plaster off. It's still there if you need it, but you're giving yourself time to let go of it. Oh, see, it's this gentle approach, guys. It really is. I know it feels like it's sort of like, oh, let's just rip the Band-Aid off and let's just go from like this total, you see those shows where they go on and somebody's house is a mess and disorganized and, you know, you've got these organizers and, and you know, decorators and stuff that come in and at the end, the house is like completely transformed and it's like this big shift. Well, first of all, I don't know about you guys, but don't be doing that to me. That's uncomfortable. That is, does not feel safe because you've made so much change so quickly. I have to have time to adjust to it. So, you know, taking that gentle approach and just starting in one small area and like getting some momentum for yourself and allowing that grace and that space to process the changes too, guys. That's that's important to our nervous system, isn't it, Kayla? For sure. You don't want to make it worse. Um, you know, I've had people who've decided they're going to let go of something and I've taken it off to the, the charity shop and then they ring me and say, oh, have you still got... So they were too quick, right? <laughs> they were going too fast. So sometimes I have to slow people down um, because we can make rash decisions just because we, you know, we feel obligated to make a change. It's got to be a visible change. No, you don't want to have regret because that can set you backwards and then prevent you from going to try again. So as long as you can do something manageable that is not overly emotional, that's a win. And every time you have a win, you should celebrate. And then you start working on things that are a little bit harder and harder. But always start with the easiest things that are not um, heavily emotional, heavily sentimental. Yeah, because it, it, I found for me, I had to start with the things that I didn't have a lot of emotional ties and attachment to. Because when I started with the things that were a little bit more neutral for me, it actually helped me start to build up those skills that I needed to tackle the bigger emotional things <laughs> as I moved in. And, you know, there was something else that came up and this was sort of a big challenge in the beginning for me because I hadn't built the skills to sort of process. What do I keep? How do I get rid of, you know, the emotional processing that is involved with that as well. And, and that was decision fatigue. <laughs> when you have, when you try and tackle a huge, like the whole room or the entire closet all at once, you can experience decision fatigue. And when we're talking about you're, you're trying to organize or get your space to a place that's fueling you and bringing you energy in and you're already in burnout, let's say you're a level three cayenne pepper, maybe you're a level four habanero and, and you've got a few spoons and you know that this is going to help you maybe every time you walk into your bathroom, that one section of the counter just drives you crazy. Well, just tackle that one little corner of the counter. You don't have to tackle the whole bathroom. But I think when we don't talk about these things and we feel like the shoulds and the expectations and the supposed tos is I'm supposed to go in and this whole room is supposed to be clean. And I think one of the biggest challenges too, Kanan, and I want to hear what your thoughts are on this, is 
What about sort of our family of origin? You were talking about some of that generational stuff that we bring with us, you know, the package mm -hmm. that we don't always know that we are carrying. Like mm -hmm. if you grow up in a house where there's a certain state of chaos or disarray, or if you grow up in a house that's very neat and clean and nothing can ever be out of place and, you know, you've got maybe super hyper aware parent that's like, you can't leave your shoes there. And it's constantly like way up here in the emotional part. Ooh, what are some thoughts on that? Well, I think it's so common. I see it every time in the, the families that I work with because um, we're twice exceptional. You know, we have these high standards, but we also may have massive executive functioning challenges and not have systems. I wouldn't say anything about either one of those. <laughs> So the, this huge gap, it's not a surprise um, that if, if our parents never sussed out how to do it and then they don't teach us, you're just used to living in that chaos and you don't have the skills um, to know what is, you know, how, how do you, sorry, fly, how you go about this. Um, so it's not that you can't do it. You don't know how to do it. You've never been taught. And yet on the, on, let me talk about the autistic side. So me being autistic I'm actually I love being super organized and tidy and having a very uh, minimalist household my partner is more of the um, uh, ADHD gifted wants to experience everything right now it's got to give big dopamine so you know if, in my household when I when it was if it was just me it would look completely different and I would be, I would be very organized and expect things to be a certain way but I couldn't live like that with my family because they are not the same they don't have the same motivation they don't have the same skills um so it's about compromise sometimes so that you can be in a happy middle so I never say let's go for perfection we always just want progress and a happy middle place you know my house is not perfect um I, I readily admit that, and I, I want people to know that because it's normal. We live. We saw that. So it, it's okay. It's just, are you able to make the time and, and dedicate the energy to making it better for yourself? And if you don't know how to do it, how can you learn those skills? So, you know, we have loads of books. I, I use the Marie Kondo book. Um, oh, joy. that made me go through my joy. whole house again so my, you know before before I got that book out um my house I'd gradually become overwhelmed by just having two kids and a husband to manage right um and we were we had a whole conservatory full of toys and gifts you know all sorts of things um I, I had the skills but I kind of put them aside because other things have become a priority. And that's what happens in life. We have other priorities and we end up by fighting that first. Um, but it's important sometimes to have that wake up course go, actually, you know, this has got out of hand for me and I'm not happy with this. I'm not willing to put up with this anymore. I need to make a decision and say, I need to do something about this. And that's when we maybe decide to carve out the time, make that the important project. And yeah, you can look, there's so much, there's so much information out there to guide us on how do we do this step-by-step. Step. We can keep it really easy. That's what I always say, Keep just keep it simple um, and just follow the process. 
know, know where your stuff's going as well. Sometimes that's a thing that stops us. We, we might have decided we want to get rid of it, but a lot of us don't want to be um, wasteful. You know, a lot of us want to um, take care of the world, be sustainable. And that's so that adds to the decision fatigue because we're like, what, where am I going to, where's this going to go? What am I going to do with it? And then it might just stay in the house again. And just a little, a little tip for your relationships, folks. Do not try and pawn off all your stuff on all your friends and family. <laughs> like you can, you can have like an open invitation for like, hey, I'm doing a clear up. You know, I have some things that I'm not going to keep or use. If some of this is something that might be useful to you, come pick it up, but give them a deadline. And if they don't get it by a certain deadline, then guys, pack it up and go take it to the charity shop. Go donate it. Get it out of your space. Don't don't get hung up on that. You know, hey, you can actually make some pretty decent money putting stuff on like marketplace or, you know, doing a local um, like they've, there's neighborhood groups. I donated so much stuff um, when we did our big move. And for me, it was like, hey, it's actually going to, you know, a local organization that helps, you know, with homeless shelters and that helps with women who have been in, in pretty bad domestic situations who are starting new. So go find a particular charity or an organization that really speaks to your heart, because then the things that you're donating, the things that you're clearing out of your environment, you know, they're going to a good cause. That's one of my big tips for like, how are you beginning this process? Identify some places that align with your heart. And that's part of also how we're aligning with our values. And when we're doing that, that is actually closing some of that energy drain that we have in our life that could be contributing to burnout. And I love that. So what are maybe some of your top tips for how do we begin this tidying up and clearing up and organizing process as wonderfully wired, twice exceptional, co-occurring everything humans, Kanan? I, I would say begin with what's the vision? And the big question would be, how do you want this space to make you feel? How do you want your home to make you feel? Because that is the guiding light for me. It helps you make decisions much easier because if you pick up an object and it doesn't make you feel that, you know, if you want to feel calm and you decide to keep something, is that going to help you feel calm? Then no, probably you shouldn't keep it, you know, and your, your body to tell you, right? It's, so we, we have this, this joy, this, this um, intuition in our body that we can use. So having the vision and using our intuition to kind of, um, what's the word, like dousing, right? You can sense into, is it taking me in the right direction? This object, will it take me towards that life that I want to live, that space that I want to create? So the vision is super important because every time you, we can get stuck in the minutiae, you know, we can get stuck, there's so many objects to go through, right? Um, and we can lose track. But if we keep bringing ourselves back to um, what's the feeling we want, What's the vision of this space? What's the purpose of this space? That really helps us to be uh, more intentional about what we decide to allow to stay and then what we give ourselves permission to let go of. I love that you brought in giving ourselves permission and tapping into the feeling. Because I think so often 
one of the things that happens as a result of a lifetime of being unidentified for so many of us and the resulting trauma that we experience, not sometimes even recognizing that, is that so often we get to a place where we're, we're not tapping into our body. We disconnect or we suppress it. It doesn't feel safe. And one of the number one unmet needs, and this is part of this spicy research, global research, one of the number one unmet needs in late identified life, one of the biggest continuing contributing factors to chronic cycle burnout is a feeling of not being emotionally safe. And I think when we're talking about our spaces, when we're talking about the things that we're organizing so often not feeling like it's safe to tap into the feelings that we're having can really prevent and create these barriers that sometimes we don't even recognize. So as part of this beautiful conversation that we're having with Kanan today to kick off the third annual Mind Your Autistic Brain Self-Care September series, Kanan and I have a special event to share with you. We would love for you to join us on Tuesday, September 19th at 9 a.m. Central Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern. And we are going to be helping you live tackle a very small organizational space for yourself. Kanan, give people some ideas on how to start identifying the space that they want to bring to this live event with us. Okay, so let's say eliminate anything that feels big and overwhelming and pick out the smallest space, um, container, area that is not triggery. That's what we, we go for first. If it's your first time, like that's totally like, neutral in mind. Yes. So, you know, you will you will know because you, you walk around your space, again, tap into your own intuition and sense of, is this bringing up anything um, that's hard for me to handle? Or does this feel, yeah, I can handle this. This is, com I'm comfortable. If you feel comfortable, that's a good place to start. And sometimes oh, you don't it. know. Sometimes you use your head and you think you know. But then you walk around and you go to that thing, that space, that's when you know, oh, actually, that wasn't a good idea. So walking around the space, really check in on how your body's feeling and pick that space that feels comfortable. And a space could oh. just mean a, a pop. It could be a drawer. It could be a bag. It, it doesn't have to be anything bigger than that. Well, I have a small uh, grocery bag because my container that I had on my desk, I have this cute little wicker container that I had all my pens and like little post-it notes and things in, and it just wasn't working. So I have dumped that entire little thing into a little shopping bag and I have bought, um, I can even show you because it's sitting right here on my desk. I put a couple things in it, but if this isn't gonna stay. So this is the project that I'm going to be bringing. And I've got this little pen holder thing here to help organize my pens on my desk. That is my small, very neutral 
project for this event. So guys, the link is in the show notes below for you to join Kanan and I. Uh, if you would sign up, share your name and your email address, we are going to send out all the information and how you can join us on Tuesday, September the 19th at 9 a.m. Central Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern. Kanan, thank you so much for all the incredible information for the conversation that I think we really needed to tap into, which was how does this show up in our body? What is the maybe triggering things about our space that makes it feel hard to tackle it? And how this actually pulls in some of those things that we can start small and make that transition to begin creating and curating a space that we love. Because that's really what this is about, isn't it? Indeed. You want a place that supports you, brings you joy, that you just feel great in. Good energy, good energy in your space. We don't want any more of that guilt and shame and oh, just dragging us down, right? Let, let's not do that. we got enough stuff in our life dragging us down. Let's not exactly. make sure that we're adding more to it. Oh, my goodness. This has been such a fantastic conversation, and I have loved having Kanan here with us today. Guys, i got a few more things to share with you. Kanan, thanks for being here. I appreciate you so much. All right. So don't forget, go sign up for that amazing event coming up and make sure you go take the spicy pepper burnout quiz. We've had over 380 people take the quiz in the last two weeks to discover their spicy pepper level of burnout right now. And the reason is when you can identify what your spicy pepper level is, what degree, what level of burnout you're in right now as an autistic ADHD human, that means you can then start making and having and planning strategically how to get out of it. And the way that you can also take that information a little further is with my new book, Unleashing Sustainable Energy. It is a strategic approach to transforming spicy burnout for ADHD autistic professionals and minds of all kinds. This is published by Hyperlexic Publishing, and it comes in both easy to read font as well as open dyslexic font, an audio version, print version, and where we're breaking glass ceilings in the world of accessibility, video with captions. Guys, you can get this book on my website at mindyourautisticbrain.com and access the quiz there as well. Oh my goodness, I have loved this conversation today because this is really where transformation begins. And there's things like this that make the difference in your burnout restoration journey. Thank you so much for joining us today on Beyond Autistic Burnout. I hope you feel energized and empowered to take on the challenges ahead. Remember, you are not alone in this journey and let's stay connected. Follow me on social media, join our thriving community and subscribe to the podcast for more transformative episodes. Together, we'll continue to break free from burnout and unlock our authentic selves. Until next time, this is Carol Jean Whittington signing off. Keep thriving. My guest next week will be the incredible Shezzy Kennedy from Thrive, where we're going to be talking about how does burnout, burnout show up in our physical bodies? What are some of the ways that it can really impact our physical self and our physical health? Thanks so much for being here today, guys. Bye-bye.